Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at a wealth-efficient strategy utilizing the end asset. My guest in this episode is Caleb Gilliams. Caleb is the founder and CEO of Better Wealth Solutions, a company committed to show people how to become more efficient and control their money today while maximizing their future wealth potential. At an early age, Caleb read every financial book he could get his hands on and was fascinated with the idea of ordinary people being able to achieve extraordinary wealth. While still in college, he was promoted to take over the entire investment division at a local community bank where he committed to finding a better way to wealth for his clients. He traveled across the country for two years learning from the top financial advisors in the country and he eventually discovered proven strategies and principles that can empower anyone to create, protect real wealth. Excited to share and impact as many lives as possible, Caleb authored The And Asset and hosts the Better Wealth podcast and also speaks around the world. He has a true passion for financial education and he is on a mission to help people see and reach their highest potential. Super excited to have Caleb on the show today. If you've not joined our Facebook group, I would highly recommend that you check it out. You could go to Facebook and type in Cashflow Ninja Community. Everything about our movement is shared there. And if you want to support us, please spread the word and subscribe, rate, and review our show on the platform that you're using to listen to us. This will help other people find the show as well. Savvy investors know that in order for the miracle of compounding interest to work, it's magic, you have to be constantly invested in all stages of the economic cycle. So the question then becomes, how do you find solid investments when the stock market is close to all-time highs and everything else just seems so inflated? That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $25 million to mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing due to their ability to perform well during economic recessions. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Caleb, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on, my friend. I've always enjoyed our conversations and enjoy the the time we spend together. For Cashflow Ninja listeners out there that's not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey? 
Absolutely. So if you're listening to this, like probably most of your audience, um, I look like I'm 15 years old. So <laughs> the, the first thing that usually happens is this 10 minutes of horror and people are like, how in the world is someone that is 15 years old actually, you know, teaching us about money? Uh, but for, for your listeners, I grew up in central Wisconsin, oldest of six kids, was homeschooled growing up and uh, had an amazing upbringing, uh, but really became fascinated with this whole idea of money when I was turned 18 years old, or when I turned 15 years old. And that's where I got to work in a, in a chicken farm. And um, I started learning about the efficiencies of how money works. I started working with my hands. I started, you know, becoming fascinated with this idea that our money could start working for us. And I'm telling you, MC, like, that's when I got hooked. I was like, our money can start working for us just as hard as I go to work every day. And, and so that really set the framework of, uh, then getting, I got a job at a bank at 17 years old and then ended up taking over the bank's investment department at the age of 19, uh, which then I went on like a two, two and a half year journey of learning from people like you about the power of how money works, how we should think about money. And, and now I'm currently helping people all around the country take back control of their wealth and start rethinking the way that they think about their lives and their wealth. Absolutely. Now, you're a millennial. Um, and one of the things, and you and I had spoken about this before, one of the things that I've seen millennials or with millennials is that they are more awake mm -hmm. than most, number one, most people give them credit for, and number two, than other generations because a lot of them actually uh, saw what happened to their parents in 2008 and 2009 or their loved ones. They might have even lived in a house that was foreclosed on or the parents had lost money or lost the business and, and, and so forth. Can you speak to that? Because I think, you know, a lot of folks, that's not something that they think about and you always just hear negative things out there, you know, when it comes to millennials, but they don't understand a lot of the intricacies of that generation and the experiences that that generation has had. Oh, 100%. And I think I, I call this the retirement disaster because mm -hmm. we, we're looking and seeing what our parents are like worked their whole life for. And like, that's so unattractive. It's not even working. And this idea of working your entire life for someday for you to like stop what you hated so that you could do what? Like watch the news. Like that, that whole, that whole concept, I think the millennials are like, wait, we want to start like living our life. Cause last I checked, we only get one shot at this thing called life and we want to start enjoying life. And one of the epiphanies that I had in just talking to my generation is, you know, so, so everyone's so focused on rate of return, especially the older generation, like, okay, they literally will determine what they do for a career or what they invest in because something gives you a slight better rate of return. Well, what's the return on result? What if ROR was return on result instead of rate of return? And, and then we start thinking, asking the question, what would we want to do? What do we want to spend our life doing? And, that's, and wealth is, is not something that you just get to, but it's something that you live through. And, I, and I, I've seen all generations get this epiphany, but I think we don't have the baggage. And we've seen our parents live through a life that is not necessarily as attractive. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I for sure 100% agree with you that I think millennials have less bad things to unlearn. Yeah, and I think you touch on the programming, right? Because what is it? It almost takes like if you want to indoctrinate generations, it almost takes like 20 years plus or another two generations to break that indoctrination cycle, right? So if people were told one thing and they kept repeating it to their children and, and, and by the time you get there, you're sitting with this huge mess where the majority of folks struggle financially 
They don't know what to do. They don't know what got them there. I just did what my financial advisor told me to do, right? I did what everybody else was doing, and now they're, they're there. I think the millennial look of focusing on experiences, number one, and then focusing on you know outcomes and seeing, hey, this does not work and going into a, a different direction, I think that there's, there's a lot to be learned from things already from and people in that generation. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. So um, society at large have this belief and it's been baked in and indoctrinated and so forth. And we're all, you know, on the front line of trying to break uh, certain, certain long uh, believed things, mm-hmm. um, just showing for what it is. What were some of the aha moments that you had? You started with that first one. I want my money working for yeah. me, not just working for it. What were some of the other aha moments in your journey? Well, rich dad, poor dad, I'm, I'm telling you what, my man, I'm, I'm 15 years old reading this book and I'm like, I want to, there's two things that I got from that book. Number one, the idea of an asset and like what an asset based activity looks like. Like it's something that I can do that put money's money back in my pocket. The other thing was I want to work for value. And no matter what age you're, you are listening to this, I'm telling you that if we can work under experts and not work for money, but start working to be more valuable, like money follows value. And so at a young age, 16, 17 years old, I'm starting to realize that the wealth is actually in the value that we can create and how healthy of a mindset that is, you know, early on. And then working at the bank, I was the 17-year-old teller that was like telling the CEO of the bank how to run his, you know, how, how we could be more profitable as a bank. And, and again, I think there's that natural sense of like wanting to um, be competitive and help people that I've always kind of had. But when I, when I was 19 and took over the bank's investment department, if, if you can imagine one hand, I, I was like excited because I thought I arrived, like this was a huge accomplishment. And on the, on the other hand, I, I had like this huge massive blessing in disguise because people were like terrified coming into the bank and like man like I, you don't even look old enough to drive how are you you're like you haven't lived through anything but i learned number one i had my own 10 minutes of horror because i've seen that like what what people are doing is not working like what we've been taught about money is is like so wrong i i it, we could spend two hours just talking about it but one of the biggest things mc that i've seen that that really devastated me is that people devalue themselves when they think about their time, they think about their career, they think about their money, and it's so evident in the way that they live their lives, the, way, the accounts that they put their money in, the lack of control that we're giving up. I mean, the fact that most people, entrepreneurs and employees, are making money and then giving up total control makes us a slave to the system. The fact that we're not asking questions about taxes, the fact that we have little to no control the fact that, you know, we're, we're risking our money unknowingly and unnecessarily. It's just, I started seeing this. I'm like, man, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And, and that, that's what kind of led me on the journey of like, you know, when you look at the banks, when you look at the corporations, when you look at the people that are actually winning, they're, they're, not, they're not choosing between this false choice of someday in the future, now in the present. They're becoming efficient with their money. They're understanding a wealth efficiency, which says, say no to this, making this choice between now or or future. And you can choose both. And when you really take a step back, and I know, I mean, we've learned from some of the same people. I mean, we're, we're helping people in similar ways. When you start understanding that you don't have to choose and you start understanding that you are your greatest asset and you start looking at, at money from a wealth efficiency side, 
it all, it all just completely shifts. And I remember that day when I realized that I didn't have to choose between my Roth IRA and investing in the business that I wanted to start. And when I realized that I made a commitment that I was going to do everything I could to share this with the world. Yeah, that's, I mean, efficiency is so powerful. What are some of the, the things that you've seen that people do in general? Because this is just, again, what we've been told to do that, that is so, so inefficient. Well, I mean, the first, the first thing that we do is we just take advice from people that shouldn't be giving advice. <laughs> so that's, that's step number one. Always ask why. And I know we, got, we, we, we punish our kids by saying why, but that's actually a healthy question. And one of the biggest mistakes that I make is we let something, we let one, one factor determine our decisions. For instance, rate of return. I, I will look at someone change their whole life and their whole wealth strategy because some advisor is telling them that they can get a better rate of return. They don't ask questions about what that looks like on the back end. They have zero, no, 8% is better than seven. That means 8% is the best. Biggest mistake I think someone could make is they are so shallow in the fact that they're just letting one, one metrics determine their whole financial plan. The other thing is we, we have this, this sense, and maybe not your audience, but we have this sense in America that we want to just be debt-free. And, and I really had to take a step back and say, okay, is debt-free or being financially free what we're trying to go here? You could be debt-free and broke or just feel like you're on this treadmill, which by the way, most of America it, that's, that's doing the right thing feels like they're on this treadmill because they're constantly just you know, saving up money and then paying for stuff and they're not, never getting ahead. And when I realized that it's not necessarily about being debt-free, but having our money work for us, that was like another key concept. And then, and then so many people don't have the discipline to even start thinking about our money. And your audience is not in that category because the fact that you're listening to this makes you disciplined and, and aware of the issue. But that, that, those are the two big things is, is understanding like efficiency on the front end and then understanding that like rate of return is important, but it's one of the many benefits. And not, let's not make our whole life decision based on rate of return. It's so true. You know, you just mentioned... Um, if you look at deals, and this is something that I've tried to explain to folks too, because we look at a lot of cash flow deals, and you would get one deal that, hey, this is you know twelve percent basically the return on this, and then you get another deal that's eight percent. And again, if you would put those two deals in front of people, people would say, but that's kind of like a no-brainer, MC. You take the twelve percent, but it's like, wait a second. So let's take a look at from a tax standpoint, yep. where, what quadrant, you know, using the Robert K. Saki cash flow quadrant, where is it coming from? What's the tax efficiency? How is it taxed? You know, does it show a loss? But for example, on a K-1 is what you would get as, a, as an investor into a deal, you know, a syndicated deal. Or does it, some of it, you might get, a 12, you might get an 8% yep. return on that, but you show a loss on a K-1 because if it's a real estate deal, just low hanging fruit, there might be depreciation, yep. right, of assets into it. So now all of a sudden, when you put the two side by side, just on one, and I mean, you, like mm -hmm. there's a whole list of things that we could go through of things to look at when evaluating a deal, but just on the taxes, yep. all of a sudden the 8% looks better than the 12 is the 12 is basically, you know, something that you're getting out of a, let's just say a CD, for example, paying that, <laughs> which it doesn't, but- right. That right there, the eight percent is better than the twelve, right, right right off the bat, or or from a from a stock port, you know, stock portfolio. And and the, the first thing that we do with our clients is we ask the question, what does financial success look like for you? And mm -hmm. and in other words, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? 
And what's interesting is also you have to look at what result you're getting by owning a different asset class. Because you may, you may, like there may be an asset that gives you a better on paper, but owning asset B will actually let you live a life that you more want to live. You tell right. me which one's more important. And it's, it's first of all, getting clear on what, what we actually want. And that's the most important thing that everyone listening to this can get. It's like, what do I actually want out of life? And what am I working towards? And when we get clarity on that, then everything else, when it comes to efficiency, where we put our money, how we use it, gets so much easier. Right. So now you can align yourself and align your asset to be to be closest to the biggest asset, which is yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you can develop a strategy. It's so, you know, it's so, so true. I think a lot of people start, you know, when they look at, hey, what financial freedom, because it's, you know, obviously it's it's a it's a term that's thrown thrown around there. Um, but they how they how they think about it is again, what can I do outside of myself and what can I do or how, you know, again, giving something to someone to get me somewhere instead of no, what does it look like for you? What do you want your life to look like? And then you can position it around your, your ability, your uniqueness, your strengths, your interests, your passions. And then you start building out a step-by-step process to eventually get there. 100%. You're living life on your terms instead of someone else's. And that that alone, I think, is, is a huge definition of what wealth actually means. Absolutely. So you talked about efficiency and um, obviously looking at different things and considering different things and taxes, we mentioned, is a, is a very big one. Um, another, um, another thing that that I know that you talk about quite a bit is, is a strategy that, that has been used of utilizing all the resources that you have, number one, but also, for example, the resource of money, having that work in different places simultaneously at the same time, which touch on collateralization. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. So I I come from the background of, you know, I want to go work at the bank, get, become a hedge fund manager. I just like, I thought the world of like the stock market's the way to go. I want to trade options. And by the way, there's a lot of people making good money in the stock market if you have specialized knowledge. And and when on my journey, the reason it took two and a half years instead of two months is I started I started discovering that everyone that was I was admiring and learning from was putting as much money as they could into life insurance. And like MC, like I was like, life insurance is the worst place to put your money. Like, why would right. any you are better off stuffing money into a mattress than putting your money into life insurance? And, and it, was, it wasn't until someone told me, Caleb, I think you have a lot more to learn about life insurance. And I think before you start judging, you need to go on this journey. And, and really, the reason I wrote the book that I wrote and the reason I'm so passionate about what I believe in is I want people to live to their highest potential. And I believe when life insurance is set up properly, and we can maybe unpack that a little bit more, it is literally the greatest place to save and use your money. And it was the epiphany that I had that this is not an investment. It is merely the greatest place to save money and, and use that asset that that money, once it's in, will grow the rest of your life tax-free. And that alone, like we could argue that the lifetime tax-free growth is, would outperform most investments that people have. But we're, st- we're increasing the capital that you have to invest in your, your, your number one asset, which is yourself or real estate or other opportunities. And that collateral effect of your money growing and you you being able to borrow against it, but you getting the future growth. One of the things that I talk a lot about in my book is opportunity cost. 
We have to understand that every decision we make has a consequence. And when you spend a dollar today, you don't just spend that dollar. You spend what that dollar could have earned you the rest of your life. And so many people are disrespecting the future value of their dollar in the decisions that they're making today. And, and so when I realized that this strategy was less about an end goal investment, I mean, what does Robert Kiyosaki say? Savers are losers. 100% yeah. agree. But if we can save money into a place that will grow the rest of our life, but then we can also use this as the ultimate asset to invest in things that we care about. I'm telling you, that's, that's the day when I realized that you don't actually have to choose. And ironically, it was the same asset that I thought I would uh, like be on a mission to destroy because I'm like, again, I, I thought the only reason people would use life insurance is to just get the commission. And then the irony behind if you do this the right way, you're, there's a lot of other things. You, you structure this in a way that and you and I could both go into this and it's, it's technical. You got to do it properly. You got to set it up properly. But when it's set up properly, it's, it's by far the best place to store, use and save as much capital as you can throughout your life. And this brings up a great point too, which ties into the efficiency, right? You've mentioned opportunity costs, but where you where you warehouse cash? Because a lot of people, and this is again, we've been programmed in such a way to only focus on investments, right? Yep. And rate of return because the money or our savings is then put with the banks and financial institutions. So that's why they will never talk about that because that it's like, give it to us. You just worry about the rate of return and that 10% that you're, that you're giving us, you know, that you're basically speculating to try and, and hit a home run with that. But the actual efficiency of where, where you warehouse it, you know, that's something that's completely not, not talked about and discussed. Well, think about this. I worked at a bank and someone asked me, they said, Caleb, how do banks make money? And here I'm sitting at a community bank with over 24 employees, three branches. And I, and I couldn't answer that question. And it's, and it's ultimately this, banks are institutions that control our money better than us. And they understand the value of controlling capital. They get as much money to flow to them as possible. They, I mean, they see our money before we do, direct deposits. Yeah. Yep. And then they and then they use leverage, they use velocity, they they make us put up collateral and don't take unnecessary risk. And when you think about banks are just institutions that control capital and yet we are taught the same things that Wall Street and the banks use to get wealthy, we're taught to do the exact opposite. Yep. Yep, the exact the exact opposite. Exactly. So we're we're told, you know, we're told to invest for the long term, hand over the, our quote unquote savings, put it into banks, you know, and let it sit there for a while. And when we get our money back, we'll get back a mountain of money, basically, yeah. right? From the from the picks that our that our advisor made. Where what do banks do? They never let it sit. They turn it over and over and over through control the controlling mechanism. It actually makes me think of the uh, concept of one pool of money, right? Mm -hmm. That. Um, the, the late R. Nelson Nash used to talk about quite a bit. If you think about, you know, the one pool of water analogy that he used of, you know, water sits and then, you know, there's condensation and it goes up into the air and it forms clouds and eventually it'll break and it'll rain, right? And the water will come down to earth. And where does the water go? Well, it goes into, you know, the, the oceans, it goes into the rivers, it goes into the underground water, but it always ends up in that one gigantic pool of water yep. money very very similar if you think about the commercial banks in the end through the control of capital where does money end up it always ends up back into the banking system absolutely yeah absolutely. Uh, so 
the the whole concept of dollar maximization, collateralizing it. Um, what were some of the other things that you saw as well once you've determined that this is a place to warehouse? Now you can use it as you did in your business, for example, right? Um, and what were some of the other things that you saw other alternatives? Because I, I went across it too and looked at it and I said, well, this is what the, the insurance part has that the other alternatives do not have. Right. Well, there, the aha moment that I had was actually I was going to Guatemala for a missions trip. I'm on, I'm on the plane and I'm realizing, oh my goodness, my money's growing and it's allowing me to do what I've always wanted to do is, is serve people. So that was like an aha moment uh, for me. And then the, the, just the opportunity, I call it the opportunity magnet, is when you have access to capital, opportunities are going to seek you out. And, and you, you mentioned and quoted R. Nelson Nash. I mean, he, that's what he says in his book, The Power of Banking. It's when you have access and control of capital, opportunities are just going to come to you. You don't have to like seek out opportunities. It's, so how many times did we have to say no to something because we didn't have the ability to say yes? And just by giving our clients the ability to have access to that capital, that, that, that's rich in the mind. Because once you have capital and have that mindset, you start thinking abundantly. And those are just some of the things that in, in this process I'm realizing it, it, just the power of this. And then also the power of this contract really being a tax exempt contract. And, and the significance of when you look at where our country's going and when you look at the significance of being able to save money. And yes, it's like a Roth IRA, you don't get a deduction. But what's the value of having your dollars grow, using them and passing them on without paying taxes? I mean, that's significant. And I'm, I'm starting to learn some of this. And it's, it's one of these things. It's like, once you like have that aha moment, it starts all making sense. And the biggest thing, and I don't, I, I don't know if you get this at all, but I'll get people and they'll say, Caleb, like I can get a better rate of return. I can get a better rate. Like, yes, this is great. This is awesome. Like I see long-term, like, but I just think I could get a better rate of return in my business or real estate or the market or whatever. And when they ask that question, I know that I didn't do my job well because you don't have to choose and that's, that's the big, like, I'll continue to go back. It's if you set the strategy up and think about this process correctly, it's not choosing between your dream business or an investment. It's not choosing between your real estate deal or your investment. It, it really is you can have both. And that's the beauty of the collateralization. That's the beauty of the, having that guaranteed built into that contract is you don't have to choose between your why, your mission, your business, your investments and saving. You can do both. Whereas so many people are skipping that step, sinking their money into what I call or assets because your money can be in the market or in your business or in your savings. But once you take that money out, it's no longer growing for you. What if that didn't have to be that way? What if it didn't have to be that way? And that's why I'm, I am 100% biased, but it's, it didn't happen overnight. It, and, and I've seen this change so many people's lives. And I've seen this firsthand in all stages. Um, and the fact that it's life insurance makes it extremely powerful as well. We don't like talking about it. And ultimately, this makes sense with no insurance death benefit. But, the, but insuring the most important asset, which is yourself, is also a key component. And I've, I've unfortunately seen that um, in, in, in my own life as a dear friend of mine, who's one of my first clients, passed away and did this thing perfectly. I mean, he, he like his family was able to just live abundantly. They did amazing things throughout their life. 
and they're also taken care of. And, and I just, it's just really powerful when you look at the impact that it had on their family. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Kings, queens, and royal families, along with the nobility and ultra-rich, have warehoused and stored their wealth for centuries in gold and silver, art, land, and real estate. These assets have stood the test of time through centuries and have been a great place to preserve and protect their wealth. Like gold, silver, land, and real estate, art has been around for centuries and will be around for many, many more centuries. That's why the ultra-rich will continue to invest in art and preserve their wealth in art. While the S&P declined 5.1% in 2018, the art market returned 10.6% and was called the best investment of 2018 by the Wall Street Journal. Masterworks is the first company to allow investors to buy shares of great blue-chip art masterpieces by artists like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. You can get set up on their platform at cashflowninja.com forward slash art. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and self storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. One of the things that I looked at too, and this was about 19 years ago, I came across someone that you know, the concept of collateralization, for example, he looked at and he was using, using CDs. And this was obviously it didn't even work at that time anymore. But basically, they would put their money in a bank, which the bank loves, and they would pay him, they would pay him interest on it. And then he would go in back to that same bank to get a loan secured mm-hmm. by that CD that he had. And he would then go and use that to invest in his real estate. So that was the when I saw the collateralization and before I even came into, you know, what uh, the, the, the strategy that, that, that involves the, the, the life insurance. So that was the first one that made me go, Hmm, that's interesting. So they would fund the CD, which is obviously a liquid for a period of time in 12 months. You would go, let's just say a hundred thousand. And then he would go back in and take $90,000 that's secured by that. You're essentially doing the same thing with insurance. That's what we mean when we talk about collateralization. The other ways that people have done it too, then I saw that. And I mean, you know, once I, my interest is peaked with something, I get pretty obsessive yep. um, and I research it quite a bit. And then I saw a concept called asset-based lending, mm. which is basically when somebody takes a stock portfolio and then borrows against that stock portfolio as collateral. And there's some financial institutions that will allow you to do that. But essentially, 
of a percentage of it. And then you can utilize that to have your money work in two different places. Obviously, you know, with the bank example, the CD doesn't pay you anything and you're still at the mercy of the bank. And yep. of course, there's, I mean, there's a whole list of other things that we can go on that it doesn't have. But, and, and, and then obviously with the stock portfolio, now you have volatility, <laughs> market fluctuations, which is an enormous wealth destroyer. And anyone that's ever traded and got a margin call, which you would have, there's all of a sudden a, a massive drop in the values of the stocks. Um, they, they didn't feel too well that day. They were probably <laughs> ill. So that means you have to pay back money into the portfolio because the, the investment bank wants to keep their ratios at a certain level. So that was another one. And then obviously the majority of folks are familiar with HELOCs, which, yep. you know, has its time and its place, but not necessarily with the strategy because again, you know, there's no growth, predictable, guaranteed, tax-free. And then obviously the other things that goes along uh, with it, the ability to control uh, the value of it, which you kind of give away at that stage. You're at mercy to the market, the real estate market, right? Right, right. A absolutely. The concept of controlled compounding, that's what we call, it's like when you can have your money grow and still be able to use that capital. It's a brilliant concept and using a proper, properly designed whole life insurance contract that's overfunded is the best way to do it. But the concept is still amazing and it can work in other places. It's just I would rather control the process and make sure that we have some checks and balances in place. And that's, it's interesting because we came to kind of the same conclusion because through the bank, I was like, yes, this would work on a savings account. Yes, this would work on other things, but there's always problems that you could always poke holes through it. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, no strategy is perfect. There's, there's disadvantages to this strategy, but I'm telling you what, it's, it's definitely the, there's less and it's in, in the advantages 10 times out outweigh the disadvantages. So for our international listeners, what I usually say, because I get a ton of emails about this as well, asking about it, you know, obviously this is available uh, within Canada and the US. So what I would say is the principle is still the same, right? The principle yep. is dollar maximization. The principle is collateralizing certain asset of, as efficiently and then making your money work in many places simultaneously. So that's that's what I would say to international listeners because I know I'll get questions about this again. So I just want to say, look in your own market, look what's available, what tools you have, because this is a strategy. It's not just a particular tool. It's how you wield the tool, right? The axe of wield and how you wield the axe instead of just the axe itself. So look what you can do uh, to implement certain Certain right. similar strategies. And the question goes back to how can I be efficient with my wealth? Wealth efficiency. Right. How can I optimize the money that's going through my control? And you're right. Whether you're in America, Canada, or Australia, wherever your listeners are, we can always be more efficient with our money and just figuring out what tools and strategies we have with what we, what we, what's legal. Exactly. Um, and I, the other thing that I will just say, one lost uh, comment to international listeners too is, you know, the one thing that I got when I traveled quite a bit, even went back to South Africa is, well, that doesn't work here or, you know, that doesn't necessarily work the same year where I'm at. So here's what my response will be. In every single country, there's a protected clause. And I'm not just saying it's a, it's a protected clause. It's just done through the tax code, right? There's a certain there's certain incentives or a series of incentives in the tax code in every single country 
if you know, I know, I know there's countries and we have listeners in Dubai, Dubai the United Arab Emirates. I, I get it. So no blanket statements here, but there, for the most part of the world, there's a certain tax code. So look at the, 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 the tax code and the incentives in that tax code and the behaviors that's drived with it then copy and paste what they do. So in the US, for example, there's incentives to warehouse your money in certain areas. There's incentives to start your business. There's incentives to look at, you know, real estate investments, for example, because the federal government doesn't want to get into the landlording business mm -hmm. necessarily. You know, so that's that's what my response would be uh, to, to all of those folks. Now that I got that off my chest, thank goodness, um, the other, the other thing that, that, Caleb, that I've seen with you as well, and this is something that I would suggest for all of our other listeners, is that you, I mean, it's just, to, to your credit, you really have studied and you've spoken to a lot of folks and you really have sought out mentors and looked for folks out there. Can you speak to the importance of mentors and um, just networking with folks and learning from others? Thank you so much for asking this because this is, I don't get asked this a lot and it's the number one, like the answer that I'm going to give you is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Locally, when I was 17 years old, I would go to a networking event. I remember the first networking I went, I went to, I didn't even have my business cards, right? I wrote my name on the back of, of the lender's business card at the time. And the guy that was taking me to the event, he took me, he, right before we got on the event, he said, said he's like, Caleb two rules. Don't drink alcohol and don't be my shadow. And here I'm like, oh, oh no. I'm like, okay. So I'm going around. I'm starting to meet people and I'm realizing something. No one's not going to talk to me because uh, who's not going to, who's going to be the jerk that says like no to the kid. And then number two, if I invite them out to lunch to pick their brain, they're actually going to pay for lunch because they're not going to let me pay. So at 17 years old, I'm starting to learn all these things about like that actually like people want to give back and the value of like your network. And, and I'm not a big fan of even this idea of net worth, net, net worth but it, you could say that your, your value or your net worth is in your network. Right. And then all I did when I took over at 19 years old, when I was told like, Caleb, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I have a mission statement on my wall to this day that, is, that reads help, help people see and reach their highest potential. And I 100% believe that people are not able to live their God-given potential because they, they're not understanding how to maximize and being efficient with their money. And so what I did was I just took what lo, uh, worked on a local scale and just went bigger. I just, I just made a list of people that I wanted to learn from. I would read books. I would call, I mean, that's how I met you is I started, I started identifying who I wanted to meet and then I figured out where they would be. And I would cold call some of them. I would reach out to some of them on LinkedIn and it did help that I'm, I, I'm young and I look like, more young. <laughs> so it did help, but I just wanted to like, I just wanted to be a sponge and I committed to not making money for two years. And I made some money, but I really took the whole like rich dad, poor dad idea of like, I'm going to, listen, I'm going to defer. If I learn this valuable concept, if I can truly help people get to the next level financially, money will follow. <laughs> like that's not going to be an issue. And I'm going to, I'm going to be humble enough to learn and learn how to communicate and learn from a lot of people that you've had on this podcast on how money actually works. Not just, not just have the ability to talk and be charismatic, but actually mathematically back this thing up because, and you and I have both talked about this, if people understand the power of this, there'll be a line outside the door. Like every single person wants what we, what we have to offer. And the reason why a lot of people don't know about it is very few people in our industry have done the work 
and have taken the time to actually be experts in their field. And so I would just say wherever you are, whether you're young listening to this, whether you feel like you're, you're too quote unquote old, there are people that want to be like, that want to share with you this. And we're on a mission to impact a million people. And I can't do that alone. So I count me in. I, I want to be as valuable to as many people as possible because again, there's, I'm going to die someday. So like, I, I want to be as valuable as I can while I'm living. Absolutely. And one of the things that this ties into, plus a lot of the principles that we spoke about is uh, the concept of achieving a lot more in less, less time, right? Yeah. Collapsing time and reducing the time that it takes to get to a certain goal. When you're efficient, when you take into consideration opportunity costs and you're able to not lose out as much on opportunity costs, when you're able to collateralize assets and when you can study others, because we, we, we have just a certain amount of time on the spinning bowl of dirt. So we can't make all the mistakes necessarily that, that that's out there to make. So we could right. try, but it would take a very long time. Right. So if we can learn from the mistakes from others and also then we can absolutely uh, find a blueprint that we can then implement and execute on and really collapse time in achieving our goals. Yeah. I mean, when we're efficient with our well, or when we're efficient with our time, we, we can accomplish something with less time. Yep. And the same thing goes with our money is if we can be efficient with our money, we can get to the result that we want to get and we can live that faster. And here's the thought is what's the value of giving your dollar four jobs rather than one? That's, ex that's exactly what we're doing is we're giving each one of your dollars multiple jobs. And as a result, we will be able to accomplish more. And that's just another way of saying a wealth efficiency, but it's, or collateralization. It's just, we're giving a dollar multiple jobs, which helps you accomplish what you want to accomplish faster. Now, uh, one habits, uh, one of the habits I've observed from very successful and wealthy folks is that they're, that they're always studying new things and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying? I am studying, I'm actually reading the book by Chet Holmes right now, The Ultimate Sales Machine. And I wish I would have read that book five years ago. And it's just all about communication, all about the importance of like time management. And Chet Holmes is just a brilliant, brilliant person. And then I'll, I'll go back to communication and leadership are so valuable. And so I, I'm reading books by Dale Carnegie, you know, Napoleon Hill, um, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So those are, those are books that are like a must, but the book that is, is like a, is changing my life right now is the, the Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Super grateful that he wrote that book. Now, our core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? And I just want to first say thank you uh, for asking this question, because I think it's, it's one of the most valuable pieces of your interviews. Uh, the, first, the first thing that I would say is, is to get really clear on, on your why. And I am going to go there. As I I'm personally am a Christian, and I have a strong you know, sense of purpose. And regardless of what you believe, it's like, let's figure out what that is. And let's have a sense of purpose in living and figuring out like if money was not an issue at all. Like your podcast wouldn't, no one would listen to your podcast, by the way, but uh, if money wasn't an issue at all, like what would you be doing? You get really clear on that. And that would be the first thing is, is my life changed when I realized that I had this mission of helping people live their highest potential. And that really goes into everything that I do. If it is something that I do goes against that mission, I'm, and that why it's, it's like, it's, it's a problem. So the first thing is get clarity on your why. The second thing is 
understand that you are your greatest asset and don't do anything with your time, money, or any, any, don't waste time worrying about things that are devaluing yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm making up a stat by the way, but like, I, I want to go out and say 99% of, of people in the world are devaluing themselves. And as a result, they, they are living to a, a, a smidge of what they could be living to. And so that's a big thing. If I was, if I had to pass down some, something to someone that I cared a lot about, I would really make sure that they, they understand that, that concept. And then the third area is gratitude. And I, I'm just so grateful for you, man. I'm so grateful for the people, like my family. I'm so grateful for the people that are on my team. I'm so grateful for the, the clients that we get to serve. And if we can like live out of the sense of like being grateful that we're even alive, like it's so, the, the odds of being born are, are just like incredible. And, and now we live in, um, you know, I guess you have international, but like I, we live in America. We're able to like, like get paid for doing this, which is incredible. And just being grateful for the people and the opportunities uh, and the fact that you're listening to this podcast means you're, you're one of a one to two percenter that you're getting this information. And, and so it would be understand your why you are your greatest asset and have gratitude. Fantastic. appreciate you sharing that. Where can listeners learn more about you? Where can they follow you and where can they stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? So I, I actually have a podcast as well. It's called Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. And you should go to episode one where uh, the man himself, MC Lobsher, it was a guest. And so thank you so much for like helping me with the whole podcast game. And so you could follow me on podcasts and um, and then any any social medias, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, hopefully my name will be because they'll, they'll misspell it. But I, I would love to connect with you guys. I would love to hear your story. Uh, and and also, I also have a free gift. I don't know if we want to share this now or, or at a different time. No, you can share. So I put together something because I'm a huge fan of you and your community. We put together, um, if you go to andasset.com slash ninja, we've put together the ultimate you know, guide of, of just pure value for your, for your uh, listeners that go into all the ideas, the and asset. We have a calculator where someone could in, in 30 seconds, see the picture, the big picture of what this looks like. We have some videos that show you the power of the and asset. And it's like, if you're listening to MC and he's going back to this idea of the infinite banking concept, like you have to understand this and start taking action. And so we want for your listeners to um, give this, give this all away for free and if they go to andasset.com slash ninja, they'll, they'll, have, uh, they'll have that access. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making that available. And thank you so much for connecting again, my friend. And thank you for coming on the show and sharing your journey and all of your amazing knowledge with my listeners. Thank you. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements.
Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.